Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's episode number 398. KB and Matt coming at you from Underground Studios live on Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. We got a lot to dive into as uh, the trade rumors surrounding the Philadelphia 76ers simply will never go away. Uh, and it's always going back to the ones you love, uh, and that being James Harden. We'll get into all of that. Uh, we'll circle back on the just very depressing and very strange and dead state of the Philadelphia Flyers and the press conference that they held today. Uh, and of course, we'll also get into uh, a bit of a live curation of part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia Hall of Fame ballot for 2021. But before we get started, big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot. Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, the homies over at Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. And Matt, Dom's going to get a load of this one. Tomahawk Snow is now live. They have their first pair of ski goggles available at TomahawkShades.com. Chris Hogan quoted saying, I can't believe we're selling these things for less than $150. Uh, and when you use our promo code USP at checkout at TomahawkShades.com on the new Tomahawk Shades uh, ski goggles, you get them with free shipping and they come out to $108.75. You can't beat it. They look absolutely phenomenal. Uh, so go to TomahawkShades.com now. Use promo code USP for 25% off your order at checkout. The boys over at Stateside Urban Craft Vodka get the Surfside Iced Teas, the Vodka Iced Teas at StatesideVodka.com. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And our pals over at Kenwood Beer. Go to Kenwood Beer and use the Kenny Tracker to see us Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. You must be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. What's going on, Matt? Living the uh, the NFT fueled metaverse dream. We are back at it again, and uh, we're gonna kick tonight's show off with Joel Embiid, James Harden, and the rumor mill. Feels like just this time last year, we were talking about James Harden. I was bringing over the Michael J. painted James Harden uh, giant canvas that we have here in the studio, and I was like, if James Harden comes here, we will hang this up in the studio one way or another. And uh, the rumors continue. We had a, a Kendrick Perkins bomb, if you will, on uh, the what is it, the All the Smoke podcast with Matt Barnes uh, and crew talking about how James Harden's people are telling people in Philly he wants to come play with Joel Embiid, but he's telling everybody in Brooklyn some other stories and everything. 
and somehow, someway, little baby is involved in this again. Uh, but the James Harden rumors are back up, ready to rock and roll. Matt, your feelings on uh, the latest with the bearded wonder, James Harden? Well, first and foremost, I would really appreciate to have a friendship like Lil Baby and James Harden seem to have with one another. Because those two just, they, they travel Europe together. Uh, they give each other like $100,000 in cash right. uh, on their respective birthdays. They always seem to have a great time. So I, I hope that I, I develop a friendship like that and stay with a friend like that later into my life. I can't help but feel that this is not true. <laughs> I I can't help but feel that this is weird posturing uh, by yes. Maury to try and drive the price up, make someone really desperate at the trade deadline and try and come in for Ben. Um, but who knows if I'm even reading that correctly. I think the, the biggest thing here is this, like the one, the one thing I'll say that gives validity to this is that there are apparently people talking around the league like there are like this a lot of this this noise is yeah coming from what kendrick perkins had to say but a lot of this noise is coming from other sources on, on other teams mm -hmm. that they're hearing this and these are people that like you would think don't really have much to gain by like putting this information out there they're not like looking to you know and maybe they are of course they could be a team that's also trying to get ben simmons who knows but um these other GMs, these other front office people don't really have any incentive to promote the idea of James Harden wanting to end up in Philadelphia. Um, they don't, there's nothing to gain there. It's much different than, you know, some Philly beat writer saying that he's heard that James Harden is, is coming and wants to be a Sixer or, uh, you know, maybe even a, a Nets writer or something or uh, some source coming out of the Nets saying that they'd be happy to trade Harden. I think it's interesting because Harden doesn't sign the extension this this past summer. Kevin Durant does. And then as the season turns out, you know, you have this this entire flip-flop with Kyrie Irving where in the beginning he's not playing at all. Now he's back to, to playing, but uh, of course only away games. He still can't play in the city of New York uh, or any of its boroughs. Um, and he has said, and th this seems to be very true, that he's interested in testing free agency this summer, that he wants to know what his value is like or – um, there's also apparently rumors that he doesn't like the weather, uh, in Brooklyn. He doesn't like the, the tax, uh, on his salary either. Uh, he misses that, that Texas tax. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the Joe Rogan tax as we call it, but I, uh, I, the Netflix comedy special tax. Yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't think that anyone should tell him that Philly's not any warmer really. Um, and yeah. the taxes, uh, are not any better. In Philadelphia, if you live in PA, or even it's probably worse if you live in New Jersey, comparatively. Like, yeah, pretty pretty expensive. Which you know, Michael Philly. Rubin's gonna force him to go buy a house in Camden, right? Um, so <laughs> if if that's if that's the angle he's looking for, if it's pure basketball reasons, I think there's a lot to gain because uh, James Harden obviously would have, I think, probably a bigger role with the Sixers than he would with the Nets. Uh, he's seemingly been fine with deferring a little bit with the Nets. Um, it's hard because we haven't seen that big three play like a ton of minutes together, mm -hmm. a ton of games together, um, including this season and, and even going back to last where it felt like, you know, once all three of them were healthy, someone would go down with like a hamstring injury or someone would go down with this two week thing. Like it, it never really quite like got this like super consistent run of games. But when we did see them, James Harden was like someone that was like, I mean, he's still a fantastic playmaker. That's, that's off the bat. Number one, but two, he's, he's still a, a fantastic scorer. I would say the one worry is that 
his efficiency has gone down a lot this year. Uh, he's not quite the same athletically. That I mean, if, if you've watched James Harden this season compared to his seasons past, uh, very much not the same type of player. Uh, and that has to be it has to be a concern going forward. That doesn't mean that I, I'm excluding James Harden from my wish list, but <laughs> I do think people will get caught up in the idea of like 2017 James Harden mm-hmm. um, and and aren't quite realizing that this is an older James Harden that is still fantastic that I still think would be a, a wonderful fit with Joel Embiid. Like I, I, there are a few players in the league that I think uh, you would take uh, above James, right? Uh, still, but I I do think that some people will see this as a massive win should it happen of course uh whereas it's a great win don't get me wrong if you can turn ben simmons and james harden you do it um but i i I do wonder if like maybe you just missed the window with james like if you had just been able to get that deal done last year how different of a situation do the sixers find themselves in and there has to be the realistic discussion about and this is something that we've discussed with with trading ben is that you're losing a very, very versatile defensive piece. There's a reason mm-hmm. that the Nets would theoretically want Ben Simmons. Uh, they're not just getting rid of James Harden for no particular reason. Uh, ben Simmons does offer versatile defending, uh, which can be very, very valuable uh, to teams in, in the playoffs. And we saw that in the playoffs for the Sixers even, uh, where he just absolutely cratered was offensively. Um, but on a team like the Nets, you would think with between Kyrie and Kevin, uh, and that they still have Joe Harris on the roster, it, ben has to take three shots a game and, you know, they can all be like cuts to the rim or, or he can just work himself into transition, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever, um, you know, but you lose his good defensive edge and you're not just trading Ben and some picks for James Harden. You're probably giving up five bull as well in that deal, which is you know, really one of your last big defensive pieces, uh, especially on the perimeter. So that would put you in an awkward situation. I think now, obviously then it's up to Daryl to, to fill out the rest of the roster in a way that makes sense. But you know, I, that seems to be lost in the conversation. Yeah. We're so caught up in, listen, we just need to get something for Ben or whatever it is is better. And that's 100% true. But there is some realities to the situation as well that you, that you are missing out when uh, when Ben does leave, if he leaves. Now, I know our Color Star Chronicles is put on hold, but how much do you think Red Phoenix Entertainment is pushing these James Harden to Philadelphia rumors to uh, you know, link the boys back up together with Daryl and James Harden? I, I gotta imagine they would be a little a little upset, you know, because obviously they they broker their deal between Color Star and Sixers, and the Sixers nixed that deal. And uh, Red Phoenix, I, I gotta say, our, our boys down in Houston don't do a lot of business, at least that they promote. Um, this seemed like one of the very few things that they had done that seemed legitimate, air quotes. So I, I maybe they're not too thrilled. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a scorned lover situation. I don't know, but. And I mean, if James Harden was theoretically brought to Philadelphia, Atlantic City's not too far away where James could still support his guy, Tillman Fertitta. That's true. That is very true. That's, that's certainly something to, to keep in mind. I would say the fine people at Delilah's would uh, certainly appreciate James Right down Harden. the street from Golden Nugget. <laughs> I'm sure they would really appreciate James Harden becoming a Sixer. I and you brought up, you know, if we could have just got this economy, Kyle. All right, <laughs> support local businesses. Uh, you know, it's one of the we we brought this up a couple weeks ago, I think, where you know the NBA definitely has some like dirt on their hands with everything that's gone on with Ben Simmons, and theoretically, it's it's eerily similar, but not to a a larger extent that it is with everything that happened with the alleged. Ben Simmons was going to be a Houston Rocket last year 
for James Harden, and then Tillman just kind of was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do a, a deal with Daryl. I'm going to send him to, to Brooklyn for a lesser package. I mean, if this deal could have happened last year, like you said, the Sixers would be in, theoretically on paper, such a better situation right now in terms of just like not having as many off-court distractions because you're not dealing about Ben Simmons and, and trying to move him during a season where it's like Joel Embiid dragging everybody across the finish line. It's I brought this up on the episode I recorded earlier this week. I said it's eerily similar to Allen Iverson in 2001 where he was kind of dragging like all of these guys to the finals. And I'm not saying the Sixers team is going to go to the finals, but Joel's dragging this team on his back for, you know, what purpose really if the front office is viewing this as a next season type of move. Right, so that's that's an interesting point you bring up too, because Daryl Morey spoke to that point uh, when he did his his radio call, and essentially said that because Embiid is playing so well, it actually makes uh, a trade less uh, pressing for them as a front office. They don't feel the need to really go out there and like shake the roster up and like make improvements because Embiid is playing at an MVP level. And Daryl was pretty blunt as well. He said that this team. He's not interested in making a trade this season before the deadline. That's only going to increase their championship odds by, you know, a few percentage points. Uh, if they make a trade that they want it to be a, a significant step towards a championship, but they don't, which they, he doesn't believe has really materialized yet and isn't willing to necessarily put that in on the roster, which in his own words too said like, uh, isn't good defensively enough mm-hmm. and isn't good rebounding enough and, and is lacking in some areas still. Uh, where, where they have to improve to actually be considered a championship contender. I don't think he's wrong in saying any of that because outside of it, it has gone, again, completely under the radar, but this team in the playoffs is getting exposed defensively. We saw it last year in that Hawks series, uh, which is a very strong offensive team, um, that just absolutely abused our, our, our worst defenders on the team. Seth Curry got absolutely washed in that series. And he was obviously great offensively in that series as well. I, I don't want to diminish, but Kevin Herter had his way with him every single game, pretty much, uh, mm-hmm. especially in like the, those elimination games. Uh, Kevin Herter, I had, had a field day with Seth. Uh, they were constantly able to switch on him. It, and that was with Ben. And that was even with Thibel getting uh, a, a decent amount of minutes as well. Um, you know, you could potentially be losing both of those guys in a trade, and then where are you at defensively? Now, again, Daryl can obviously go out and, and acquire someone. There can be further trades, of course, but um, that's the area that you need to focus on. So Daryl seems to be of the mindset. Now, that's what he's saying publicly. Does mm-hmm. Is that necessarily 100% what he believes? Who knows? But publicly, at least, the stance is that because Embiid is actually having such a great season, it, it's actually less pressure on the front office, which I, I do think is true. If the Sixers were, were sitting at 500, you know, you even saw it, um, earlier in the season when Embiid was out with COVID uh, and the team was struggling mightily, I think there's a lot more pressure then to, to make something out of Ben to, mm-hmm. to do to, for some kind of, and that was, I think when you, you also saw a lot of the back and forth quotes about yeah, the escrow account and Ben's actual mental health and things like that. That's where there was a lot of the extra noise as well, where it felt like they were trying to get in while the iron was hot and where the Sixers were, were struggling a bit to start the season. I do think it's true that because they're doing so well, because the story is so much about MVP, that yeah, like the the urgency to trade Ben is, is is not there. I think you know if he's not gone by the deadline, that is a huge huge indicator, and it's a huge gamble, but it's a huge indicator that Daryl Morey truly believes that if it's not James Harden, it's someone else. That someone else is available this summer, that is that is much much more valuable to them than any combination of the Kings players. Um, 
any combination of of a, like a Hawks deal or a, mm-hmm. any like three team trade, which is another thing he said that you know this is going to require probably a, a three team deal, which is not easy to do. Uh, he, was, he was again pretty realistic in, in saying that he thinks the chances of Ben being traded are very low. Which again, that's what he's saying publicly does not necessarily represent what he actually actually feels uh, and what they actually believe. But that's that's where he's at at least. He's tempering the expectations of the first time, long times. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week. And it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for tv and movies on the underground sports philadelphia podcast network join me kb and a plethora of our hosts right here at usp breaking down all the new tv and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts Right. But I thought it was an insight. I really did think it was an insightful. And Daryl has been like, you know, he also went on there and said strap in for four years then, you know. Uh, so <laughs> he's he's been remarkably candid whenever he's he's uh, been on the radio. And uh, part of that, I'm sure, is playing it up a little bit for the radio. And, and people like to hear those types of bold statements by their GMs. Right. People like that. They, they genuinely do. Fans fans appreciate honesty. They appreciate when you are having a candid moment and when they hear you saying things like that, because that's how they talk. That's how they that's how they feel. Um, it's not the the you know shuffle your tie and and, and all that kind of talk mm-hmm. that that people don't like that we saw from the Flyers press conference and this constant uh, baton passing of blame. Like, no, I, I think he, here's here's where it gets tough because the NBA is in a, in a weird position right now in that there's no clear dominant team. There are probably five or six teams that can win the title this season. And there are obvious favorites, right? I think the Phoenix Suns and the Warriors have to be considered favorites. Um, I don't think anyone really cares to, to want to play the Bucks in the playoffs. Um, I think there, there, there are some obvious people there. But then there are, there are a few other teams that really could. It's very similar to last year. Um, and if you had said in January of last year that the Phoenix Suns were going to make the NBA Finals, no one would have bought that. <laughs> no, one, no one would have believed that. And that's not a, a detriment to the Suns. It's just it seemed really even at the beginning of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, they had to get through the Lakers to, to get there. And a lot of people didn't even have them beating them. Like they're the and I think you'll see something similar this season where there is a lot of parity, and that is good for the Sixers because they could, of course, potentially if they make a trade or whatever, or even if just Embiid himself goes absolutely nuclear through the playoffs, uh, this sustained run that we've seen over the last month. Like he has this type of a month again, but you know, in May into June, and maybe who knows, right? I don't know that this parody exists even into next year for the NBA. Mm-hmm. When you have a good thing going, there's nothing wrong with going all in on it in, in basketball because things are so fluid, things change so much. We saw this so much with with Clay coming back this this year. Uh, it was never more evident because a lot of the the popular. Uh, like tweets and memes about him coming back were like last time Clay Thompson played in the uh, an NBA game. Here's the Kawhi was still a Raptor. Like all these things had, and that was two years ago. <laughs> you know, you're talking you're talking a season how how different things can be. Uh, two seasons how different things can be. So if you have 
and be playing at, at the level that he is right now, it is hard to want to punt. It is mm-hmm. it is a hard sell to say second round exit. You know, well we just got to and you and now you you have to get it right in the summer. You have to get it right in the summer. That's a, that's a tremendous weight to put on yourself. But I also feel that Daryl Morey has has played this pretty well to this point um, because you know what two months ago people wanted to take fucking uh, a Pacers package. Uh, you know, like. No, you know, like, but that, yeah. and that's that's just not where we're at now. Like, They're you know, like we're clamoring we're, for Jeremy Lamb, right? Like, we we're just in a, a a much different realm of player, which is where we want to be building up towards. And again, listen, if 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 Ben Simmons is a sixer after the deadline, that is a huge detriment to him and to mm-hmm. Clutch Sports. It really is. I I cannot believe that he is he's gonna really do this i I, if he really if if he sticks true to his word which he's he's apparently said that if he's not going to the deadline he won't be returning this season that's insane because now you're talking about this guy's going to go into next season still looking to be on a new team or maybe he is on a new team or he's expecting a new team he he will not have played for almost a year and a half at that point of nba basketball if if he sits out the rest of the season the last time he played was june of 2021 and he's gonna what a team is gonna is gonna go all in on him, and and, and November first or Halloween of next year, opening night, whenever it is, is gonna be the first time Ben Simmons has, has touched a basketball in a competitive game. That's insane. Mm-hmm. You are in the prime of your career. What are you like? What are you doing? This is this is this is this is honestly gone beyond just like all right, like you're trying to like strong arm and use your leverage here, and it has genuinely reached a point where I think like. Someone needs to like talk to Ben Simmons and have a real conversation with him. Like, listen, man, like you're going to ruin your career if you do this. He really is. He will never recover from this, uh, I, potentially even physically, but certainly not in terms of how people value him and how people view him and how people discuss him if he sits out the rest of the season truly. And it, it, hell, if he doesn't get traded from the Sixers this offseason, was he, is he really, is Ben Simmons, and he's not going to get paid, it doesn't seem at least either. Like, there's a whole, that's the next battle and all this, mm-hmm. right? But uh, that's just insane advice to give someone in the absolute prime of his career. This is a guy this time last year we could not get enough of, and we're calling a defensive player of the year candidate. And we said, you know what? Fine. It doesn't matter that we didn't get James Harden. We got Ben. That was a legitimate thing people yep. were saying. And and now put that to this year. What? But apparently we never believed in Ben. We didn't back him. We didn't support him, whatever. Even though we, again, voter fraud for this guy. Um but now he's he's not playing, and he's he, again. If he sits out this season, that is an insane thing to do. That is an insane thing to do, and I, I cannot believe that someone is not giving him better advice. That's it. And speaking of Ben Simmons, Matt, uh, I don't know about I don't know if you you know this or not, but you and I have something in common with Adele. So a little bit of this, yeah. We uh, Adele made sobbing calls to Rich Paul because she couldn't get through rehearsal, and uh, it seems like Adele also wants Rich Paul to get Ben Simmons traded out of Philadelphia. Well, I think I think Ben Simmons has made sobbing phone calls to Rich Paul as well because he uh, couldn't get out of the dunker spot or he couldn't uh, <laughs> jump six inches to get over Trey Young's reach. And that he, he realized that he couldn't play in an open. It just isn't open gyms in an NBA basketball game. Well, listen, he looks great. Uh, I tell you, there's never been a better NBA player than Ben Simmons, uh, like August 5th. That is, yeah. that is it's like prime Ben Simmons, 
early early August Ben Simmons is truly the best basketball player I've ever seen in my life because he's he's taking threes he's confident in his ability and in an open gym or against like I don't know like people playing pickup ball at edge fitness in Camden like that is when he is truly at at his peak peak powers shout out to probably existing at prime Simmons season on Twitter because uh, I'm sure that's somebody's Twitter handle as well um but I mean, in terms of Joel Embiid, um, obviously we talked about just like how his season has been absolutely unbelievable. And like last year, everybody thought he was the MVP. And now, you know, after years and years of it seemed like nobody really even gave a shit about him. Like you have Sports Center tweeting out, oh, look at pure dominance from Joel Embiid the last X amount of games, you know. Over the last stretch of games, Joel Embiid's done this, and it hasn't been done since Wilt Chamberlain. And then you have everybody in the comments talking about, wow, it's crazy Joel Embiid's the first player to ever do this. Um, I mean, we're watching Joel Embiid, like, truly, like, morph into, and, and this is something that, you know, you and I and a lot of Sixers fans believe that Joel Embiid would be an all-time, like, franchise cornerstone and, and be somebody that would be talked about, like, the Wilts, the Dr. J's, the Allen Iversons, but, like, we're getting to watch that, like, unravel in real time now where, like, all those other players, either, you know, you and I were, like, super young, obviously, when Allen Iverson was doing his thing, and then we weren't around when, uh, you know, Dr. J was, you know, winning titles and Charles Barkley was doing his thing, and, you know, people want to debate if Wilt Chamberlain even existed, but uh, watching Joel do what he's doing is absolutely unreal. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> You're right to point out, like it put him in the context with all these other great 76ers. This is, I mean, he's doing things that only Wilt Chamberlain did, which <laughs> is is an insane like metric uh, to to like put yourself compared to, right? Like uh, he's he has more points scored in, in the last few games than minutes played, like significantly. Um, he is just like truly a, a fantastic player. I, I don't, you know, I, I think it's it's hard to like talk about different eras, right, and compare players across eras, but Joel Embiid certainly, certainly has to be a top three sixer. I, mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know that there's any... I don't know what order you, you put the, the top three in. I don't know how much you value Wilt's years here, right? Um, but, you know, there, there are obviously other fantastic sixers throughout the years to, to talk about it and to put in that discussion, but um, he is truly, like, one of the best big men I've ever seen in my life, too. You know, forget even just one of the best Sixers ever. He's one of the best big men I've ever seen play in the NBA. Um, he has almost every skill that you could imagine a basketball player to have, but do, to doing it at his size is just unimaginable. Like he has the same kind of spryness that like Hakeem had. Uh, and that was like one of his early comps as well. Mm -hmm. And he's certainly lived up to that comparison, which is a huge bar to reach because Olajuwon by all accounts I didn't have the pleasure of watching him live but you know you read about him you watch old clips he's an amazing amazing player um he's he's not as physically dominant as Shaq right but you see shades of where like Shaq was just able to outwork anyone effortlessly and it is the same with Embiid there are times where he just effortlessly just dispossesses and out muscles and outworks other big men and it's just amazing to watch because it's it's not that simple it, and, it, and it should never be as easy as he makes it look it and he has this amazing touch 
He has this amazing shooting touch, which I would say is is unique to him. I don't know that there are many other great big men. There have been other, you know, specialized big men throughout the years that have, have been good from, you know, mid-range, have been good from, from beyond the arc, especially, you know, it has been something that has grown. Um, but I... I, I struggle to think of many big men through the, the course of NBA history that have had the, the shooting touch that Embiid has displayed, especially over the last few seasons, uh, how well he's grown at, as a three-point shooter, how great he is as a free-throw shooter. I mean, it's mm -hmm. like uh, unbelievable, the numbers. This is a guy that you can't afford to foul. Like, you, you just can't. Um, and again, at his size, he's naturally going to be fouled a lot more because it's it's just hard to control him. It's hard It's hard to outwork him. It's hard to outmuscle him because he is just that dominant of a player. So he is truly, we're blessed to have Joel Embiid. And that's why it is imperative that you you maximize the window that you have with him because you don't, you never know with the NBA. You never know how long you have have with, with these guys, how long you have with certain teams. Things can change so much. Um, and that's why there is certainly a pressure still to, to maximize this roster in a way that really like allows Embiid to, to not just be like revered by fans of the current age. If you win a championship, if you win even an MVP, like that is for life. You will be remembered in mm -hmm. that way by anyone, you know, just by a casual person looking up statistics. Um, and he deserves to have that lifetime praise. He really does. Yeah. It's just one of those things where so many people have talked about like these elite and like pure dominant athletes over the years that they got to watch, you know, growing up or whatever. And Sixers fans and NBA fans are getting a chance to watch that modern day with Joel Embiid. Which, let's also not forget, this is a guy who didn't start playing basketball until, what, he was like 16, 17 years old? Like, it's unbelievable. Crazy, because Wilt Chamberlain, right, like, famously uh, afterwards went on and, and played volleyball, right, after mm -hmm. basketball. And that was, like, Embiid's first sport, really. It was, like, that was, like, his, his first choice sport was volleyball. Um, so I just think it's funny, like, you know, because there have been so many comparisons to, to him and Wilt in a terms of like statistical output just obscene numbers that he's putting up um it's funny that there you know will like bookended his career with volleyball whereas Joel Embiid started you know kind of his athletic career uh with, with basket uh, with uh with volleyball so um man like it, it's truly like amazing to watch it like this is why you sat through the awful years from like 2012 to, to 2017 like this mm -hmm. is it, you to get Joel Embiid right and like you look around other teams, teams that we might be trading Ben Simmons to even, um, they have had similar bad runs and have never been able to pick up a player of his quality. Even the Sixers themselves, you know, have not been able, you know, you look at our other lottery picks, one of them is currently sitting out. Um, Markel Fultz has not materialized. Julio Okafor, I, I think, is safe to call a bust. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's a hard business. It's a hard business picking, picking the, those top picks because – anything can happen but you you this is why this is why you want to be bad for four or five years straight you want to get as many as you possibly can top bins top tier commentary top drawer upper 90 you already down. know you it's more already no I think that's how it always 
Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I'm Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Bins time. What's up? We're back. Yeah, you need as many darts to throw at the board, and it seems like the other team uh, of the big four sports that plays in the Wells Fargo Center might be headed that way because the Flyers, as Meek Mill once said, is a disaster, is a disgrace. Uh, they had a press conference today with Dave Scott and Chuck Fletcher. And, you know, obviously when we've had your brother on the show for, for State of the Flyers uh, public addresses from, from one President Pump, um, you know, he kind of puts it in perspective for us where we're more of the casual Flyer fans. We kind of pay attention here and there. Uh, we have our, you know, hashtag optimistic October run every single year, but this year just seems like the the tires have fallen off completely. Um, you know, you can you can chalk things up to injuries to you know the the COVID situation the Flyers have had over the past couple of months, but I don't think I've ever felt the Flyers organization being as like lifeless at the top as they are right now. Like obviously we know with Comcast being the ownership group and everything, it's it's tough to kind of gauge like how to even perceive what the Flyers do. But after today's press conference, seeing, you know, people that are very tapped in with the team, I the, it was like the most like public outrage I've seen from a, a Flyers press conference in quite some time. I think so, you know, obviously wasn't able to watch it live, but I uh, saw, yeah, some people's reactions to it. Some of the, the beat writers, uh, Charlie O'Connor is someone that uh, I, I really like because he's, Speaks very plainly, and I, I think uh, represented the, the fans very well today in some of the questions he asked. Um, we got to get Charlie on this just, show. <laughs> my cat just absolutely demolished a bunch of pillows. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Put them on the blue line for the Flyers. <laughs> Listen, Linus could certainly – Linus wrist align it. Um, <laughs> wrist Linus. The problem is, is that the, the Flyers seem to be in a, a very real state of denial about where they're at as a franchise. Mm -hmm. And what's worrying to me is these quotes about how, oh, we, we, we don't expect this to be a three or four, five year rebuild. We expect to be competitive next year. Um, I, I don't know how anyone can actually say that with a straight face. Um, and also in the same conference, admit that, you know, you're, you're open to exploring trade talks with Daru. Um, that you can build around these guys uh, that frankly probably aren't worth building around. Like it's, it's all bad, bad signs. Like this is, this is not, this is not the stuff you want to be hearing in this situation. A lot of it was weird posturing as well. Um, I don't like the faith being placed in Chuck Fletcher because he's not someone that even coming into the flyers was highly respected or well revered or chased after. Like this was not someone. This was not even at the time. This isn't one of those revisionist things. This was not someone right. at the time that was like widely lauded as as a great hiring. Wow, fantastic! And it just hasn't gone well for him. No, like this was not. This is not a good place to start with. You're you're trying to carve rotten wood, and it's just not helpful or productive for anyone. Um, I I don't know where they go from here. I I don't like that. That's the the narrative. I also don't like that they're saying 
they're, they're, they're giving a lot of this credit to Comcast because apparently they're going to invest money in the team. Uh, a, they should. That's what any owner should do. Number one. Uh, so they shouldn't. They don't. They don't need an attaboy for doing that. But uh, apparently, that feels like something gonna... that shouldn't even be brought up. Like that should be almost like a, a like unwritten known given. Right. Like so. Apparently, they're they're going to be. Um, uh, they've massively increased the team budget, and the plan is to double the analytics department, and that they're hiring scouts, uh, like more scouts. Um, how small is your analytics department that you can du- that you double, can double it. it? That's worrying. Uh, Red flag <laughs> number you one. Can, you can double the size of your analytics. What is it? Three people? Because uh, like it's very Phillies esque. Uh, well, <laughs> it's like Phillies post Ruben Amaro Jr. Where it's like they had no analytics people, and then they were just like, "Oh, let's flood the front office with analytics people." And I didn't like this either that they said um, that team performance and the COVID protocol is the yeah. reason for the the dwindling. Uh, but they they seem to dwell on this like COVID stuff. And listen, the Sixers have no issue selling out the arena. I don't know if right. anyone has tried to get a Sixers ticket. I I haven't really been interested in going to a game live, but I've I've just looked. You know, I've opened up the 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 apps and and seeing the prices it ain't cheap to get to a Sixers game right now everyone wants to go because Embiid is playing great and the team is still pretty good like it's it's a good team they're going to be in the playoffs who knew that if the team is competitive if there's a a reliable star to watch that puts on good performances people will show up Sixers are are number two in attendance this year in the NBA and that's probably because they just don't have a big enough stadium (laughs) and oddly enough the Sixers this year not to the status quo, have a worse right. home record is, than a road record. This is this has been a, a disappointing Sixers year. This is without one of your main stars. Like if you polled Sixers fans coming into the year, their optimism it would have been probably the lowest it's been in the last three four seasons. Yep. And even throughout the year, there's been tons of of contentiousness <laughs> about this team. And even still, they're selling out seats. So the thought, the the gall to even suggest. That COVID is playing a role in that is just is just ridiculous. It's ridiculous to even assert that. It is a hundred percent team performance. No one wants to pay money to watch your team lose. No one. And Six I'll say this too, because I'm at the games all the time for the other team that Comcast Spectacor owns, the Philadelphia Wings. I'm at every home game covering the team, obviously. They're doing numbers ticket-wise, like the arena's filled, it's loud, the fans are into it, and um, if I looked it up, I'm sure the Wings are in top attendance performance this year, because one, the team is good, the fans know that they're good, and they have great leadership at the top with their general manager and head coach obviously being the same person, but they, they have a vision and they know what they're trying to accomplish, and that's something that the Flyers have lacked probably since the 2011 Cup run. This, the the two major issues that that I, I I come away with from this conference are this: there's still, at least publicly, a, a very real faith in Chuck Fletcher, which is terrible. That is that is a a a, a franchise altering in a very negative way opinion. Like that is something that is going to set this team back seven eight years. And that there is a, a a very real belief that they can turn this thing around in a year, in one year. That next year they expect to be competitive. That is ridiculous. You just set a a, a a franchise record for consecutive losses, and you've had two two ten plus loss streaks in the same season. 
for a team that has done weird statistical feats like that over the years, you would think that like something like that might be lost on us. But that is incredulous. That is beyond belief that you could even accomplish something like that. That you could be that incompetent and that bad. And I know that this year has not been kind with injuries and and COVID absences and things like that, right? So if it, if it theoretically were to happen, it would be in a year like this, of course. But that is it is ridiculous to me that they think that this thing is going to be turned around. That that tells me that they are are just buying their own shit. That they that they really they they are into their own hype way too much here. That they they are completely deluded and have lost some sense of reality. If that's really what they believe. Now again. Like with Daryl Morey, maybe what they're saying publicly isn't what they really believe privately. Maybe it's just what they're saying, hoping that it like soothes. I don't know. I don't know if they've done any market research, but not uh, Chuck Fletcher is not a popular figure among uh, Flyers fans. I don't think anyone was enthralled to hear what Dave Scott has to say. Uh, be- That's the other thing too. You have this nebulous ownership group, right? You don't even have a person. Dave Scott is like thrown out there today, mm-hmm. like Michael Scott in the episode of The Office where they bring him to the investors meeting. Uh, and he lets it slip that he got a town car from Scranton all the way to New York, uh, not realizing that people are upset because Dunder Mifflin is going under. Like, Dave Scott is the Michael Scott of, yeah. of that situation. And it's just, what, like, why even have this press conference? It's so I out get, of the blue. Like, I, I get that you're trying to, I get the sentiment, right? That you're trying to, like, have this open communication with the fans. But this just screams desperation and again just not having a clue not having a sense at all for where you're at and what your fans actually want and what they want to hear and what they want to see done um and does not bode well for the flyers future at all and let's also not forget matt like during this past off season when they made all these massive moves to you know shake up the roster you go get ryan ellis you go and get rasmus Ristolainen. you traded your first round pick away and you expect to turn this thing around in a year when you have a record uh, 13 wins on the season and you've just lost 13 straight and you don't have your first round pick with as bad as this team is. I don't see how you expect to go and try to get one of these blue chip players that they'll probably whiff on again when you don't have your first round pick and try to turn things around in one year. That's just incredibly asinine to go out and publicly say. I just... I. I, I, I can't I can't believe that they they go out there and just like this lame duck press conference that that frankly isn't satisfying anyone. In fact, I think it's it's done the opposite. It's people are I think are even more uh, angry and upset with the Flyers after this press conference than, than they were before it. Um, man, I just I, I can't believe I. <laughs> We've had Flyers fans change their profile pictures to have paper bags on their heads. Yeah. Uh, and and they Dave think Scott that, said this this front office is the strongest in his tenure that that he's been. That's an insane thing to say. That is wild. And that uh, Chuck has a blank check to fix his team. You know that saying like if you put a a, a typewriter in a room with monkeys, they would eventually start writing Shakespeare. I wonder if that's just what Comcast <laughs> Spectacor is uh, is thinking with that. It's like maybe if we just put Chuck Fletcher uh, in a room with a keyboard, he'll turn us into the Tampa Bay Lightning. And we'll like put Danny Briere in front of that room to remind people of the good times. That was the other weird thing today, too. Danny Briere is going to have a more uh, active presence in like player ops. 
Sure. <laughs> like, put him back out it's, on the ice. It's, ne- it's nebulous enough that uh, from the outside looking in, you have no concept of what that actually means. Um, but I think it's just like, hey, Danny Briere is involved with the organization. You guys remember him, right? Danny Briere, number 48. The Danny guy. Briere. Yeah, like, it's just, it's nostalgia bait, I, I think, mostly for, for fans to be like, oh, well, Danny Briere's there. He's, I love Danny Briere. Like, that's it. It's, it's easy for them to say that because it's 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 a pacifier. And some. none of this is going to change until fans like I, I heard a bunch of people talking about this where it's like obviously like Flyers fans true and true are like probably some of the most passionate fans in this city f- for one team. It Nothing's going to change with the way that the front office looks at this until those fans stop going to the game, stop dumping money into this team because as you keep doing that, they, this front office just has the mindset of like, oh, okay, like the fans are, you know, appeased and they're fine. They're still coming to games. We still have the ticket revenue coming through. Like nothing's going to change until Flyers fans stop dumping money into this team. I do think that that is, uh, that is, that is started happen. I mean, you're seeing it at games now where like people are just not, not showing up, which is big. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's a big step because yeah, you're right. Like continually, this has been a really devoted uh, fan base, but people people are stopping going to games. Like it, it is definitely noticeable. Like sometimes people will send out those videos of this picture, like "Oh, it's real empty tonight." Like there have been a few videos that I've seen across multiple games. Where I'm like, that's an empty crowd. Like that is process era Sixers empty, uh, which is not a place that I ever thought that the Flyers uh, would really find themselves. To be honest, because my entire life. They've been at least competitive. <laughs> they, Every other year, baby. <laughs> pretty pretty routinely sold out. So, man, it's they're they're not in a good way right now. Not at all. And like, it's kind of weird to say that. Like, how would you? Because I was thinking about this today. Like, obviously, the two bottom rung teams of the major four sports in this town, Phillies and Flyers. Who do you think is more like in turmoil right now? And obviously, you know. The Phillies aren't can't even do anything because of the lockout, but apparently they're tied uh, to the Carlos Correa now. The Philadelphia Red Balls, I think that's what you have to refer to them as. The Fishtown Pinstripes. Yeah, but it, it's one of those things where we've talked about it in the past, where there's a lot of like similar things with these two teams over the past couple of years, and I, I just don't know which team is like worse off right now. And like obviously the Phillies have the superstars on the team, but that doesn't you know equate to you know wins as we've seen over the last three years um but i mean it it really is almost like the spider-man meme with the flyers and the phillies kind of looking at each other and it's like okay which one of us is worse i i would say the the flyers are worse off um terms of like you could convince me that the phillies in the next five years are competitive in the playoffs i i think that's reasonable Mm -hmm. i don't see that future for the flyers i really don't yeah I, I think you're seeing like a, a real shift now too in, in the way Flyers fans are, are approaching this team, and that there's a, there's a lot more anger. There's a lot more people like listen. Like sports over the last few years have stopped being just like a nice escape for people, and have become like more emotionally draining than I think we ever wanted them to be. Um, I can remember during the bubble with the Sixers just absolutely hating watching sports. I, I hated it. I I, <laughs> I hated turning on the TV uh, and, and watching these games. Now part of that was because of the circumstances and and you know obviously broader things happening but i think a lot of people have shifted the last few years not caring as passionately and as deeply about sports as they used to uh which is understandable 
and it, you you have a real potential to lose a lot of your your dedicated fans to to incompetence this way um the phillies are are in a bad spot in that they've they have not quite recaptured and it's interesting because they're almost on different timelines right Mm -hmm. where the phillies for a very long time were were selling out right and it's because they had a great team certainly um and once that happened once the good times went away uh, so did a lot of the fans and you can't blame them no one wants to watch this team of people that they don't know get blown out at home it's just not fun it's not enjoyable unless you have a family and it's like 30 bucks to go get the kids hot dogs whatever um the flyers could be in a similar situation in 10 years you know where they're trying to get people back and of course it could be different you know maybe Mm -hmm. maybe the rebuild is is quicker than than that but they also have to commit to a rebuild right that's (laughs) the first step is admitting you have a problem right that is that is as they say the first step uh also, speaking of the Phillies, did you see our, our good buddy Matt Klentak is now officially out of the organization? Uh, yeah, I saw he went to the Brewers, God bless him, um, as a special assistant. That is the most derogatory and demeaning title I think you can you can have attached to you in the sports world. Special, you're my special assistant. That is the wor- that's like what your your dad says to you on take your child to work day. <laughs> and somehow like, it's. It's I the most Matt fitting today. title. He's my, he's my special assistant. Like, and like, oh, how cute! It's like, yeah, he's believe me, a kid's whiz with the with the the filing. I got him working on some. I got him working on the the Grantley estate. Like, it's just the blamest. It's the worst thing to call someone. Their special assistant. It's somehow, the dumbest thing. Somehow, it's the most fitting title for Matt Clentac. Because he is. He's just he's daddy's little special assistant. He's the long for the ride. He's so excited to not have gone to school today. <laughs> they got McDonald's for breakfast. He's he's just special assistant. Special assistant Matt Clentech. Hey, here's to the Milwaukee Brewers. Have fun. Whew. Enjoy. God bless you. God uh, bless you. How insane is it that this guy st- stepped down from the the Phillies Phillies front office right to this other advi- weird advisory role? It was dumb that that was, was never even stuff. listed. Dumb that he was essentially fired, but was still offered a place within the organization. He was relegated was, to being the coffee boy for he was Dave John Dombrowski. Wilson, special assistant. Yeah. Um, he was relegated to this weird advisory role that no one could actually tell you what he actually did during that time. And is now like off to be a special assistant with the Brewers. Um, good luck to him. That's all I'll say. Uh, better listen. All I'm saying is, don't give that guy the the, the launch codes. Yeah, <laughs> you'll blow up the moon. Absolutely insane. Uh, and somehow, Which, somewhere... I don't know if you heard. There's a SpaceX rocket that apparently is going to make an impact on the moon. So maybe that was also Matt Clentac. Yeah, it'll be Matt Clentac and Michael Strahan. <laughs> no, I think it's Matt Damon actually watching from uh, the space deck. Uh, yeah, because fortune his, favors the brave. His fortune, for, well, I think fortune favors actually the fraudsters. Uh, <laughs> really bad timing for Crypto.com, huh? Oh, that was man. flashing on everyone's TV during uh, during the playoff weekend, and then like uh, the next day, it's like, yikes. And then the next week, it's like, oh, the uh, the cryptocurrency market lost a trillion in, in value in the last day. That's good. And now everybody's reporting about these players that uh, you know got part of their their contracts in Bitcoin and how it's been cut in half. So that's the fucking dumbest thing I ever heard. Yeah, Odell Beckham 
because he took his uh, 741000 whatever, he got it paid to him in Bitcoin. At the time when he got that, it was worth, I, I don't remember, 66000 I think, Bitcoin mm -hmm. was worth. Uh, it's now worth like half that. Right. Uh, but he gets taxed on the 741000 so I think he, I think after the math works out and everything, he's actually only made now. Of course, it's all bullshit anyway. But right, he's he's made thirty six thousand dollars actually. Yeah. <laughs> like, buddy, I mean, come on. I think In and Out pays that much, and like he's that's like, a good gig. He's yelling at Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay like, we need to get to the fucking Super Bowl. <laughs> I listen. You better Whew. hope there's some there's some cash incentives on that because I I don't know anywhere that you're living in L.A. Uh, but the lifestyle that I think Mr. Beckham Jr. likes to lead for for thirty six thousand uh, dollars. That's all I'll say. I better hope that that sponsorship money's doing well for him because that's crazy. I can't even afford an Uber in L.A. To get the whole podcast hosted by Stephen McAvoy and John Mavalia, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. You get listen, you could you can afford a, a skateboard and like putting your hand on the bumper of an Uber and just like <laughs> hitching a ride through town and hoping you end up where you want to be. But yeah, it's about it. The uh you know, we, we yell about how stupid crypto and NFTs are on this show. Uh, Stephen McAvoy, host of the Get in the Hole podcast and known New York Rangers fan, uh, loves to piss me off by sending me just random shit about NFTs. He thinks they're stupid, but he knows it gets under my skin with how dumb they are. Uh, and Matt, if you needed another reason to hate the New York Rangers, uh, their goalie, Keith Kincaid, I believe he's a goalie, um, according to Puck Empire on the Instagrams. Uh, he has become the first player in North American professional hockey to put an NFT on his helmet. Doesn't that defeat the entire concept of what these crypto bros are all about? Where it's supposed uh, to be this digital art? Yeah, well, so you must have missed uh, over the summer when there was a, uh, <laughs> a gallery of NFTs um, that they didn't get permission from the NFT owners to put on. And it was like these, you know, like TV screens of these NFTs playing. Um, and I just can't help but feel the irony, even speaking about it now, and just like what a stupid thing that is. Yeah, it's, it's an NFT is, is supposed to exist digitally, right? Like not supposed to really be a physical thing. And it's what, you put it on a sticker? It just proves that anyone could have well, gotten I'll that. I'll pull it up here for you so you can take a look uh, at this. They got plasti dipped on a helmet? Like, that's just, like, what yeah, is that? His, I could do that, too. It's his new goalie mask. Um, Congrats. Just absolutely stupid. And I, I truly think Keith Kincaid might be a new enemy. Hey, Keith, enemy you ever heard state. of Amway? Uh, hit me up, bro. I got, I got an easy way for us to make some money. It is uh, right here, so. That's hideous. That's the other thing with NFTs. They're all ugly. ugly. They're terrible. Like truly, truly some of the ugliest pieces of, and I'm saying this very liberally, art. Because it is technically art. But, man, that stuff is disgusting looking. People are paying $300 for that picture. That's stupid. So dumb. 
We all know the traditional Big Four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Cremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. So I think My favorite Keith is the guys that have spent like $100,000 on these pictures. Um, what's interesting is that, so NFTs, I, I, I found out because I've actually been trying to learn more about them because they're obviously going to be one of the touchstones of our generation uh, and people are going to be asking us in 30 years, how in the hell did people buy into this and think that this is real? Um, the problem with NFTs is that they are like a secondary market to get people involved in cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. This cryptocurrency didn't have enough liquidity in it at all for these people that had a ton of wealth to actually cash out. So they needed a way for there to be like an influx of people onto the market and NFTs became one of those pathways so that the casual person would dump in maybe 10, 20 bucks, maybe a few hundred bucks, maybe even a few thousand if you get more disposable income. So that way there's enough liquidity on the crypto market that these people that have, you know, maybe got in very early on crypto or just already had tons of money and had invested could actually like have enough on the market where they were now able to get out, leaving the average person holding the bag and now crying on Twitter because someone right click saved their picture that they spent $300 on. Um, it's just obscene, man. I it, like what a, what a, absolutely insane insane scam this has been for everyone and so shout out to keith i i hope actually i don't hope i i don't hope he earns any lesson actually i, I feel like keith kincaid is now an enemy of the state of underground sports philadelphia oh yeah well half the sixers are too that's true i mean and at least it's the sixers that we totally agree should be enemies of the state <laughs> unbelievable Non-fungible uh, enemies of the state. Not fucking tangible. Uh, Somebody I tell Keith that. It's on a helmet, bro. Yeah, I can hold this I one. Paid, all right, Kyle. He paid $30,000 for that picture of a lion. I mean, come on. Again, not spend $30,000 on a picture of a lion. I wonder if he got it from Daryl. God, that's one, of, that's one of his worst traits, isn't it? That he's a freaking NFT boy. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, somebody that we can all agree is uh, probably one of the most liked dudes, though, on the planet, especially in Philadelphia. Called it a career today, Matt. Brandon Brooks, Underground Sports Philadelphia Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champion, three-time pro bowler after 10 seasons in the NFL. Uh, calls it a career. Just a an all-time eagle, uh, even though he was here for you know a much shorter time than I think most people feel like it was. Um but easily one of the best free agent signings in Eagles history. Obviously a big part of the Eagles winning that Super Bowl that, uh, you know, spark plugged this podcast. And uh, he's a guy that really, you know, just understood what it meant to be part of this city. He said it in his press conference today, like he's going to go back to school. He's going to enroll at Penn uh, in business school there. And He's going to stay in Philly. He's like, I don't know, this is home for me. I, I've said it before. Um, you know, he said, I'm, even though I'm no longer playing, I'll always be an Eagle. I'll always bleed green. And it was really cool watching the beginning of his press conference today. 
where he literally went down the line and like thanked almost every single player and coach and like executive from the Houston Texans where he started his career and then did the same thing for the Eagles. Uh, just a, an all-time person, classy dude, um, and, you know, just a, a very awesome career for Brandon Brooks. Yeah, uh, tough to see, right? Because obviously, too, he's, like, struggled with injury the last few years, too. So uh, definitely probably, for him physically, probably just the, the better time to, to walk away. And awesome to hear that he's got, like, great plans for retirement. Uh, we will always have, that's going to be one of the iconic images of, uh, of Philly sports history is him, uh, you know, making the big play, right, in the Super Like, it's just, it is what it is, right? And he gave us uh, truly one of the, the greatest moments that you can receive in sports fandom. And so in return, I, I wish him nothing but the best. Yeah, and I mean, he's uh, he's one of those guys, I saw a lot of like the Eagles writers talking about this today he seems like one of those guys if the eagles are, are smart about it when the time is ready for him you offer him a position in the organization above and beyond like you know that player like that former player comes in special assistant. special special assistant role uh he's somebody that i feel like could be a guy that gets into football at the next level in a front office as you know kind of that connor barwin role where you know you're working on player development you're working with some of the young guys coming in and getting them situated uh with their nfl careers and everything and i think brandon brooks no doubt about it will be one of the it's really weird too because a lot of these eagles players over the past couple of years that have been so beloved are offensive linemen and i feel like you never see that in the nfl where you never talk about the offensive linemen but so many of the prolific their faces are plastered everywhere for the Philadelphia Eagles over the last five, six years have been guys along that offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he definitely, you know, if you're talking about hiring from within, you know, like Brendan Brooks is uh, is definitely a, a good candidate for that. Um, and, yeah, I think there's there'd probably be a few Eagles uh, over the next few years that, that you know, should they retire as Eagles especially. But even if they don't, um, you know, could be yeah, either coaches or, or advisory roles or even just guys that you just like pay to show up on game day and just mm-hmm. like interact with people. Like, you know, like that's valuable too, right? Like having guys that are like continue that legacy of like, you know, building a community sense and, and interacting with fans and, and, you know, people, people enjoy that. People love having, you know, ex ex athletes, you know, around the stadium or, or doing meet and greets and stuff and, and still being able to, able to interact uh, with people because, you know, especially someone like Brandon Brooks, who's such a big piece of, uh, of you know, Eagles Super Bowl win. People people will definitely, definitely line up to, to shake that man's hand. And I feel like he's also, you know, and as we record this on, you know, Bell Let's Talk Day, he's one of the guys that, like, at this forefront of kind of bringing, you know, the mental health discussion, especially for guys where, like, so many, you know, men across the the country across the world like it's one of those like stigma things where like you don't talk about your mental health but he was one of those guys that had one of those moments where he stepped away to focus on his mental health missed some games you know he's had the anxiety you know come across and everything and he's been at the forefront over the past couple years of being vocal about it being open going and you know seeking help if you need it and he talked about you know when lane johnson had his uh you know step back this season with his mental health he, you know, when Lane got back to Philly, he went to Lane's house and they just talked about life. They didn't even really talk about football. It was kind of just one of those things where you step back and, and you focus on the, the larger picture. And I think Brandon Brooks, 
if if the NFL even wants to, you know, try to be at the forefront of the mental health discussion with players and with coaches and, and people in the league, he's a guy that I would look to if I'm in that, you know, community outreach division of the NFL. I'm like, hey, let's get Brandon Brooks as kind of like one of the, you know, spokespeople for mental health for guys in the league. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I agree. Uh, so, Matt, Brandon Brooks being an underground sports Philadelphia Hall of Famer, our anniversary slowly approaching, actually quickly approaching, February 7th. Uh, the Underground Sports Philadelphia Hall of Fame is on the horizon. And to just give some people who may not be in the loop with, uh, you know, some of the the past inductees, our first year, uh, we inducted Gritty, obviously, which is wild to think that, you know, in our first year of existence, that's when Gritty came to the forefront. Uh, we inducted the Eagles uh, Super Bowl roster, Joel Embiid's mask, uh, Cy Young candidate Aaron Nola, and then two Legend Awards with Roy Halladay and Brian Dawkins, uh, both being inducted into their respective sports Hall of Fames that season. Year two, uh, we inducted uh, signing Bryce Harper in the first year of the Bryce Harper era. Uh, we inducted the, you know, be a fucking flyer, <laughs> which is funny to look back on now that AV is gone and the flyers are in absolute shambles. Brandon Brooks, our guy Mike Scott, and then the legends, uh, Harold Carmichael got inducted into the Hall of Fame. And then, weirdly enough, as we record this, you know, two years to the day uh, since Kobe Bryant passed away. Uh, and then we also kicked off our, our community award, which uh, is named after the man, the myth, the legend, Giovanni Hamilton. We inducted him into our Hall of Fame as well. And then last season, to recap, uh, we finally got Dylan Mazzola's wish. Coots for Selkie uh, got inducted. We inducted Daryl Morey for coming to the Sixers. Hashtag signed JT. Uh, we gave the Philadelphia Union the team of the year. The Legend Award went to Dick Allen, and then our Community Award went to uh, the At Sixers content team. So, Matt, I figure we curate some of the uh, the ballot this year live here on the pod, and then on Friday, uh, along with another announcement that we'll have, we will uh, unveil the full ballot for our listeners, followers, and everything to get involved with for our fan vote. But a wild year 2021 was... Uh, in the year of Philly sports, is there anybody that comes to mind or anything that comes to mind off rip for you that should be on the ballot? Uh, I think, uh, I think one of Bryce Harper's Zach Wheeler certainly has to be in the discussion. Uh, it's not often that you have an MVP in Philadelphia, right? Like it's, it's a, a rare occurrence. Um, even something like the Cy Young, which is essentially just a specialized MVP, um, not very common either. So those those are the two that immediately immediately come to mind. Um, it, it's hard with anything from the Sixers because the just crushing loss in the playoffs last year just makes it very challenging to to really say anything positive about this team. Um, but Embiid certainly has to be. I mean, we just sung him a bunch of praises about how fantastic he's been uh, this season, and he was uh, if he had stayed healthy last year. I think could have legitimately been an MVP um, last season as well. So uh, those in, in terms of performance, I, I think have to be considered. Uh, I almost wondered if union are, are winning back to back team the year. of the year simply because I don't know that you can, and the union were good this year. Right. I mean, uh, but it's, it's hard to imagine anyone else 
like who would you even pick? I mean, they're they're in the conference finals. They have this terrible COVID situation and still almost uh, drag it out against the Red Bulls. Like that's big, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And and obviously they didn't win anything. Like they won the Community Shield, but hard for me to to say anyone other than the Union deserve Team of the Year in in the Philly Sports Arena. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I mean, trying to think uh, across the board, like of just any like quirky fun type of situations that happened this year. Um, and you know, in terms of just like any type of records or anything with these teams. And, um, I mean, like you said, Bryce Harper's MVP season, Zach Wheeler's should have been Cy Young season, uh, definitely should be at the top of the ballot for sure. The, uh, I I think it's a funny, like kind of quirky one is the, the Carson Wentz first round pick, you know, culminating into a first round pick. (laughs) that's uh, that's the uh, community award of the year i think yeah <laughs> the community award of the year the indianapolis colts front office <laughs> it's uh, really it's really the jaguars i think who uh who deserve we could induct <laughs> what, what an Meyer. induction man, that would be man of the, man of the people the uh but I, I think that's like one of the funny like quirks about this eagle season is you know we went into it as an unknown they get to the playoffs and on top of that Carson Wentz falls apart at the end of the year after you trade him. The first round pick culminates, you know, pretty much halfway through the season. And then the Colts also miss the playoffs on top of it. Um, And obviously we got to wait for April to see who the Eagles take with that pick, who it ends up being, how well they play. Um, But I I think that'll be a fun one to put on the board as well. Um, And I mean... I've been thinking, like, you know, enemies of the underground type of thing where there's been a lot more negative this year in terms of, you know, players, opponents. The first and perhaps only Philadelphia athlete to be an enemy of the underground. (laughs) I mean, there could be a lot of them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, there's Jalen Rager. There's Tobias Harris. There's Ben Simmons. I think Ben Simmons has to be number one. Yeah. Listen, Jalen Rager has been bad, but he hasn't been like, he said some weird stuff on Twitter. He hasn't refused to play yet. And Tobias Harris has been weird and, uh, I don't know, like angry this season. Whatever. You're rich and you're buying dumb lions or whatever he's into. Is he he into apes or lions? I I think he's an ape guy. Uh, Okay. He's the the ape yacht club or whatever. Yeah. He's on Um, a boat. Ben Simmons has refused to play after just absolutely cratering in a crucial playoff series. I find it very hard to believe that anyone could turn, like, if they tried, you would have to physically try to, to be more of an enemy to the city of Philadelphia than Ben Simmons uh, was. I, I can't think of a, an opposition player that has even come close. Because usually that's fleeting. It's in, right. like, a game, right? Like, someone someone scores like the Kawhi shot right like as an example john collins you know choke holding joel and beat on that dunk and then wearing the shirt in the press conference but then it's but then it's over right and you can forget and now we're clamoring oh we should trade for john collins but ben simmons seven months later has still not played a game Uh, another thing that i just thought of as well to put on the ballot i feel like it's a must it's something we uh kind of hitch the wagons to 
Color Star Chronicles. Our guy Lucas, <laughs> Lucas Caption and crew. That is, uh, that is community award of the year right there. It's Color Star <laughs> and the fact that they're bringing the metaverse to the common man. For uh, the common man. For the common man. And that we will be able to uh, meet and hang out with Ben Simmons in the metaverse. And we'll be able to get coffee like he's doing now every day, apparently. And probably play, you know, PUBG and everything. Yeah, well, Simo the Savage. <laughs> uh, and, you know, there wasn't really any full-blown inductions for uh, the Hall of Fame. Like, Harold Carmichael got his ring this year, but already inducted for us. Uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame absolutely sucks, by the way. We didn't bring that up. Christ almighty. Just just terrible. Um, <laughs> Jimmy Rollins stays on the ballot for another year, which should be. He should be a Hall of Famer in my book. Ryan Howard fell off the ballot, uh, as well as Jonathan Papelbon, which still blows my mind to this day, Matt, to think about Jonathan Papelbon as the all-time saves leader in Philly's history. <laughs> hey, man. You got to cement your legacy while you can. I think it's insane that Barry Bonds is not. I know that we're not adding new to the discussion here. Um, and that most people, especially in our age demographic, yeah. agree with us. Um, my entire youth growing up, Barry Bonds was the baseball player. I vividly remember him and his path to, to owning the home run record. Um, you cannot tell the story of the last 30 years of Major League Baseball without Barry Bonds being like the first Clemens. paragraph. Like. Roger Clemens is definitely a big mystery, but to me, Barry Bonds, just, Barry Bonds is definitely wildly egregious, wildly egregious. And then like so to stupid. only have one guy get inducted this year and it's David Ortiz, who was also mentioned in that Mitchell report and nothing against David Ortiz, another legend of the game that right. you can't Deserves tell the story of baseball without David Ortiz's name there. But to be like, oh yeah, we're going to induct just one guy because he's universally beloved. It's big poppy, but not induct. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa. When also, and we talked about this when it happened, you inducted Bud Selig into the Hall of Fame. He was the, yeah. the, the fucking commissioner who allowed the steroid era to run rampant the way it did. He oversaw everything. You're going to let him into the Hall of Fame and let his story be part of your museum, but not the players who played under that regime. It's it's stupid, and here's here's the bigger issue too, right? The steroid era is certainly, I wouldn't necessarily call it an asterisk, but it is an era. It is an era in baseball that should be discussed. And I think if you're if you're being true and faithful and honest, which is what a, frankly the Hall of Fame is a museum. It's a glorified museum, right? And it's it's a way for us to remember and reflect on on what the story or what the narrative or what the context for that era of baseball was like. We will never know specifically who took steroids right we know right. To, that there were guys and, and some of those names that you mentioned uh certainly were named in reports or popped a positive test here and there and now you know today we we have guys that get suspended for 45 games or 90 games whatever we will never and look the guys that get busted today half of them are like never heard of this guy mm -hmm. they're just a casual that tells me that steroid use was a lot more rampant than, than people would like to believe. Or every other that, year, it's Robinson Cano. Uh, right. Or that this, this I don't even call it the Mitchell Report. I call it the Mitchell Dossier because it's like yeah. a CIA, like, freaking <laughs> asset uh, of, like, report. 
because it only named the biggest players. Mm-hmm. So uh, of course, the, like the, the ones with the one guy them, who worked with all of those players to get them right. the steroids. Right. Like it's just, it's it's unbelievable to me that that you refuse to acknowledge that. Listen, like yeah, can you can you talk in some way that some of their later career achievements uh, were perhaps enhanced by steroid use? Sure. But Barry Bonds, even pre pre steroid, was a Hall of Famer. Was a Hall of Famer. If he had retired in 1998, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, that's it. So what changed? It's just it's so it's it's wrong. It's it's a it's a wrong. It's it's people that are are too caught up in the emotion of it that for whatever reason feel like scorned or that they get. And this is the problem I, I think in some ways with with baseball in general. So you have this older class of people that feel like they are the moral pallbearers of the sport and that they have to no. And that's why baseball has stagnated in the last 15 years while so many other major North American sports have grown tremendously Mm -hmm. because you have dinosaurs that still get to write the narrative about this sport. You had a bunch of like 50, 60 year old white guys sit in a room and decide who gets to be canonized in, in the hall of fame. And it's all based on stuff their racist grandfather told them growing up. Like, it's just bad. It's just, it's a bad, bad thing. And I, I, it, it needs to change. And it's so stupid. Yeah. Put Pete Rose in it while we're at it. Jesus Christ. Exactly. Like, Who cares? I don't care that he bet on games. No. Why do we give a shit? And it's, it's not so, even like he it's bet. It's so hilarious now because and it, sports gambling is legal like half the country. There's In the next 10 years, some baseball stadium is going to be the FanDuel Stadium. Like, it's so <laughs> stupid. Why do we give? I could not give two less of a shits that, that Charlie Hustle – 47 years ago, bet on some games while he's managing a team. Who cares? You got guys in the hall that beat people up and killed them. You got domestic abusers. You got racists. Who cares? And to make it even better, it's not even like he was, like, throwing games. He was betting on other games that he wasn't involved in, or he was betting for his team to win. I don't give a shit, because guess what? He was... The all-time hits leader. He deserves to be. A, I don't care. He went out and was a, with, out a doubt, a great baseball player who should be in the Hall of Fame. You can have you can have your your piece on him at the Hall of Fame, acknowledging the things that he did and that they're wrong. Whatever, but it's so stupid now. It's so stupid now. It's it's, it's insane. Unbelievable. I. It reminds me a lot of like how we'll look about like marijuana usage and like yeah i was so I, was, I was trying to explain to sarah my wife about this was a while ago but it's my relevant, sister i think right tyron matthew right who was mm-hmm. just yeah, obviously like uh he got injured in that bills game right but he's you know, like the honey badger as it were highly highly touted talent in college right and i, I remember this because i thought it was so ridiculous guy gets kicked off the team for from smoking pot totally forgot about that but now you just like triggered something in my brain that like i'm seen at the time and people were talking about how this he needed to get his life straight and that he may not make the nfl and the guys had a great nfl career yeah. and it's like which people tried burying this by the way a kid at the time mm-hmm. for smoking some pot which by the way like 80 percent of americans have admitted that they have tried at least once in their life it's not like <laughs> and now it's legal again in like half the states it's just, it's ridiculous. 
Why do we care what these people do in their private lives? It's so stupid. I don't care that Barry Bonds took HGH. I couldn't care less. He's the all-time home runs leader. Put him in the put him all fame. It's you so had him stupid. plastered all over Sports Center. It's like, oh, we're on Bonds watch. Like we're watching to see him break yes, the record. Every every day it was like a countdown. They had a, a ticker on when the next Giants game was. It yep. was it was the thing to watch. It was must see TV. It was on Good Morning America. Good Morning America opened up, led the the number one most important thing that on that you woke Americans up to was that was how 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 much closer Barry Bonds had gotten to hitting to, to breaking the all time home run record. That was what America's number one. Part. We were in the in the throes of the Iraq War, and Barry Bonds was still more important. I mean, come on, put him in the damn Hall of Fame. <laughs> it's so dumb. Uh, and as we've been going through this, too, in my mind, since there hasn't been really a, a Hall of Fame inductee for the Legends Award, but this is somebody that you and I have both said we'd love to have on this show, uh, and he also called it a career earlier in 2021, I feel like we got to put Zoom off in the Hall. That's true. That's, that's a great call. That is a, that is a great choice by you. He's a guy that, you know, that open invite's always there for Zoo uh, to come on in for a landing on uh, on this show. But uh, we'll have the, the full ballot ready to rock and roll on the Twitter machine on Friday for, uh, you know, the fan vote and you guys to be involved with everything. Also, Matt, our Bryce Harper jersey giveaway. We finally, the MLB shop finally had jerseys in stock. So we sent that over. I don't know if I told you this. Uh, our winner lives in Washington, D.C., and he's going to be posing in front of the National Stadium in his Bryce Harper jersey for us. <laughs> I'm glad it's going to someone who is committed to the bit. And uh, I, I really, really re respect and appreciate that decision. I would like a picture. I would like them he's, if they could. He's going to be sending us picture pictures out. of him in the jersey in front of the stadium. I he's on, on board with, like, our stance of the Nationals being a stolen franchise. Oh, like, I love this guy. I'm listens so glad to the show. It's great. That's fantastic. Uh, so when he told me he lived in D.C. and was going to do oh. that, I was like, you're a legend. Uh, so I can't wait for that to come through. But the underground sports... Well, it's weird. The, you know, all the birds and squirrels and stuff, uh, they still think it's national season because the, the park is still, like, just as it is in, in April <laughs> and June. Like, Only thing missing is those cherry blossoms. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Underground Sports Philadelphia Hall of Fame, like we said, the ballot will be live on Twitter along with another announcement on Friday morning. So that's why you got to follow us. On the social medias, Twitter and Instagram, at UndergroundPHI. You can follow Matt at Matt Castarina. You can follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, UndergroundSportsPhiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. And, of course, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Write in anybody you want to see on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Hall of Fame ballot, how you feel about, you know, Harden Saga 2.0, uh, you know, everything with the Flyers, if you're, you know, devout flyers fan tell us how you're feeling about this team five star ratings and reviews only because we have standards we know you do too and we know they're five stars uh and you can also leave a five star rating on spotify now as well and you can check us out wherever you get your podcasts follow the twitch channel twitch.tv slash underground sports phi check out the facebook page uh all of our shows for the most part we're going to try to start making them go live on facebook as much as we can since we have a pretty decent 
you know, fandom over there from where we started almost four years ago. So it's Facebook. Just search Underground Sports Philadelphia. You'll be able to find us. And a uh, big thank you to our sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And, of course, the boys over at Tomahawk Shades. Like we said at the top of the show, guys, go get those new snowboarding ski goggles at TomahawkShades.com. Promo code USP works on these new ski goggles. Uh, knocks the price down to like $108 for super high quality ski board, ski board, skiing and snowboarding goggles. Uh, I can't wait for Dom to finally cop a pair and wear them probably everywhere he goes. Uh, but promo code USP for 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. Get the Surfside Ice Teas at StatesideVodka.com. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And Kenwood Beer. Go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see who has Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And please drink responsibly. And, of course, in the link description down there, we're working on getting the promo code thing situated for you guys. But use our affiliate link at BeanYoBoard.com to help support the show. And uh, stay tuned here on the Twitch channel as Steven Schneider will be going live for some more uh, PGA 2K as he just tries to continue conquering the world as the best goddamn digital golfer on the planet. Uh, he's, he's crushing the game. So stay tuned here, twitch.tv slash underground sports PHI. But this has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 398. For Matt, I'm KB. And until next time, we are signing off. Peace. Champions.